let's get right into it, y'all. We're going <laughs> to... I love you, Asia. You're awesome. Um, <laughs> from band to beta. Yeah, right? Um, so, guys, I want to uh, encourage you right now. As you guys know, our, what we do is, is every morning we read the scriptures. And I want you to ask three questions today as we read through scripture. The first question that I want you to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? The second question that I want you to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning people? And the third question that I want you to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning me? We commit these three questions in our time in reading every day as we've committed to reading through the entire scripture, through the entire Bible. We've read now from Genesis, and now we're in Isaiah chapter 48. If you've been here, the OGs in the game, you've been here from like the gate. You were with me when we read through the entire New Testament. Now we're reading through the entire Old Testament. And so it's really my journey with you to walk with you. It's one of the, my commitments. And I, what, what I'm here to show you is what half a Netflix episode can do. As, and we've missed days, y'all. We've missed days, but we're doing this together. And we've gone all the way to Isaiah, just reading just bite-sized chunks of Scripture. Um, and so, yeah, that's what we're here to do, and that's what we're going to do. And so I want you guys to prayerfully consider those three questions as we read the word. I'm, I'll pray. I want you to pray along with me. Ask the Lord to speak to you today, and then we're going to get right into it. Father, I ask that you would lead and guide me today, Lord, as I read your word. Father, I'm so encouraged, so encouraged by what you're doing in this season, so encouraged by, Lord, the things that are transpiring even in this moment, so encouraged, Lord, that even as we're in a season of flux, in a season of shifting, in a season of redirecting, in a season of rebuilding, Father, we're believing that you're restoring and all of that. And so for that reason alone, I'm encouraged. And I just pray that you would bless this time, Lord God. Give us guidance, Lord. Lead us and guide us as we continue, Lord, to seek your will through your word. Reveal your heart, your desire for us, Lord, as we read your word, not simply to the facilities of our mind, but Lord, to the capacity of our heart. And I ask that you would bless us today. And we say that in your name, we pray. Amen and amen. Isaiah 48, and it says this in verse one. Hear this, O house of Jacob, who are called by the name of Israel and have come forth from the wellsprings of Judah, who swear by the name of the Lord and make mention of the God of Israel, but not in truth or in righteousness, for they call themselves after the holy city and lean on the God of Israel. The Lord of hosts is his name and have declared the former things from the beginning. They went from, forth from my mouth and caused them to hear it. And suddenly I did them and they came to pass because I knew that you were obstinate and your neck was an iron sinew and your brow bronze. Even from the beginning, I have declared it to you before it came to pass. I proclaim it to you, lest you shall say my idol has done them and my carved image and my molded image I have commanded them. You have heard, see all this, and will you not declare it? I have made you hear new things from this time, even hidden things, and you did not know them. They are created now and not from the beginning. And before this day, you have not heard them, lest you should say, of course I knew them. Surely you did not hear, surely you did not know, Surely from long time ago, your ear was not opened, for I knew that you would deal very treacherously and were called a transgressor from the womb. For my name's sake, I will defer my anger. And for my praise, I will restrain it from you so that I do not cut you off. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. 
I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. For my own sake, for my own sake, I will do it. For how should my name be profaned? And I will not give my glory to another. Listen to me, O Jacob, and Israel, my called. I am he. I am the first. I am also the last. Indeed, my hand has laid the foundation of the earth. In my right hand, I stretched out the heavens. When I call to them, they stand up together. All of you assemble yourselves in here. Who among them has declared these things? The Lord loves him and shall do his pleasure on Babylon. And his arm shall be against the Chaldeans. I, even I have spoken. Yes, I have called them. I have brought him and his way will prosper. Come near to me, hear this. I have not spoken in secret from the beginning, from the time that it was, I was there. And now the Lord God and his spirit have sent me. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you to profit, who leads you by the way that you should go. Oh, that you had heeded my commandments. Then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like waves of the sea. Your descendants also would have been like the sand and the offspring of your body like the grains of sand. His name would not have been cut off nor destroyed from before me. Go forth from Babylon, flee from the Chaldeans with the voice of singing. I declare and proclaim this, utter it to the end of the earth. Say the Lord has redeemed his servant Jacob. And they did not thirst. And when he led them through the desert, he caused the water to flow from the rock for them. He also split the rock and the waters gushed out. There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. Isaiah 49. Listen, O coastlands, to me. Take heed, you people from afar. The Lord has called me from the womb. From the matrix of my mother, he has made mention of my name. He has made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he has hidden me. He made me a polished chaff. In his quiver, he has hidden me. And he said to me, you are my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Then I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing and in vain. Yet surely my just reward is from the Lord and my work is my, and my work with my God. And now the Lord says, who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him so that Israel is gathered to him. For I shall be glorious in the eyes of the Lord and my God shall be my strength. Indeed, he says, it is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob, to restore the preserved ones of Israel. Hmm. I will also give you light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. Hmm. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel, the Holy One to him whom man despises, to him whom the nation abhors, to the servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise. Princes shall also worship because the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, and has and he has chosen you. Thus says the Lord, in an acceptable time I have heard you. In the day of salvation I have helped you. I'll preserve you and keep you as a covenant to the people, to restore the earth, 
to cause them to inherit the desolate heritages that you may say to the prisoners, go forth to those who are in darkness, show yourselves. They shall feed along the roads and their pastures shall be on all desolate heights. They shall neither hunger nor thirst for neither heat nor sun shall strike them. For he who has mercy on them will lead them. Even by the springs of water, he will guide them. I will make each of my mountains a road and my highways shall be elevated. Surely these shall come from afar. Look, those from the north and the west and these from the land of Sinim. Sing, O heavens, be joyful, O earth, and break out in singing, O mountains, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have mercy on his afflicted. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me and my Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on her son, on, her, on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palm of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Your sons shall make haste. Your destroyers and those who laid waste shall go away from you. Lift up your eyes, look around and see. All these gather together and come to you as I live, says the Lord. You shall surely clothe yourselves with them all as an ornament and bind them as you on as sorry, bind them on you as a bride does. For your waste and desolate places and the land of your destruction will even now be too small for the inhabitants and those who swallowed you up will be far away. The children you will have after you have lost the others, will say again in your ears, the place is too small for me. Give me a place where I may dwell. Then I will say in your heart, who has begotten these for me? Since I have lost my children and I am desolate, a captive and wandering to and fro. And who has brought these up? There I was left alone. But these, where are they? Thus says the Lord God. Behold, I will lift my hand in an oath to the nations and set up my standards for the people. They shall bring your sons in their arms and your daughters shall be carried on their shoulders. Kings shall be your foster fathers and queens, your nursing mothers. They shall bow down to you with their faces to the earth and lick up the dust of your feet. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Then they shall not be ashamed who wait for me. Shall the prey be taken from the mighty and the captives of the righteous be delivered? But thus says the Lord, even the captives of the mighty shall be taken away and the prey of the terrible be delivered. For I will contend with him who contends with you and I will save your children. I will feed those who oppress you with their own flesh and they shall be drunk with their own blood as with sweet wine. All flesh shall know that I, the Lord, am your savior and your redeemer, the mighty one of Jacob. Thus says the Lord, Isaiah 50. Where is the certificate of your mother's divorce, whom I have put away? Or which of my creditors is it to whom I have sold you? For your iniquities you have sold yourselves, and for your transgressions your mother has been put away. Why, when I came, was there no man? Why, when I called, was there no, none to answer? Is my hand shortened at all that I cannot redeem? Or have I no power to deliver? Indeed, with my rebuke, I dry up the sea. 
I make the rivers a wilderness. The fish stink because there is no water and die of thirst. I clothe the heavens with blackness. I make sackcloth their covering. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak in a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting for the Lord God will help me. Therefore, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint and I know that I will not be ashamed. He is near who justifies me. Who will contend with me? Let us stand together. Who is my adversary? <laughs> Let him come near me. Surely the Lord God will help me. Who is he who will condemn me? Indeed, they will all grow old like a garment. The moth will eat them up. Who among you fears the Lord? Who obeys the voice of his servant? Who walks in darkness and has no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. Look, all you who kindle a fire, who encircle yourselves with sparks. Walk in the light of your fire and in the sparks you have kindled. This you shall have from my hand. You shall lie down and torment. Isaiah 51. Listen to me, you who follow after righteousness. You who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn. And to the hole of, from the pit from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who bore you. For I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. For the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. He will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in it. Thanksgiving and the voice of melody. Listen to me, my people, and give ear to me, O my nation, for Law will proceed from me, and I will make my justice rest. As a light of the people, my righteousness is near. My salvation has gone forth, and my arms will judge the peoples. The coastlands will wait upon me. On my arm they will trust. Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look to the earth beneath, for the heavens will vanish away like smoke, and the earth will grow old like a garment, and those who dwell in it will die in like manner. My salvation will be forever and my righteousness will not be abolished. Listen to me, you who know righteousness, you people in whose heart is my law. Do not fear the reproach of men. Do not be afraid of their insults for the moth will eat them up like a garment and the worm will eat them like wool. And my righteousness will be forever and my salvation from generation to generation. Awake, awake. Put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake as in the ancient days, hmm. in the generations of old. Are you not the arm that cut, off, that cut Rahab apart and wounded the serpent? Are you not the one who dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep that made the depths of the sea a road 
for the redeemed to cross over. So the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their hands. They shall obtain joy and gladness. Sorrow and sighing shall flee away. I, even I, am he who comforts you. Who are you that you should be afraid of a man who will die? And of the son of man who will be like grass. And you forget the Lord, your maker, who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth. You have feared continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor. When he has prepared to destroy. And where is the fury of the oppressor? The captive exile hastens that he may be loose, that he should not die in the pit and that his bread should not fall. But I am the Lord, your God, who divided the sea, whose waves roared. The Lord of hosts is his name. And I have put words in your mouth. I have covered you with the shadow of my hand that I may plant the heavens, lay the foundations of the earth and say to Zion, you are my people. Awake, awake, stand up, O Jerusalem, for I have drunk at the hand of the Lord, the cup of his fury. Hmm. Sorry, you have drunk at the hand of the Lord, the cup of his fury. You have drunk the dregs of the cup of trembling and drained it out. There is no, there is no one to guide her. Among all the sons she has brought forth, nor is there anyone who takes her by the hand. Among all the sons have brought up, these two things have come to you. Who will be sorry for you? Desolation and destruction, famine and sword. By whom will I comfort you? Your sons have fainted. They lie at the head of all the streets. Like an antelope in a net, they are all full of the fury of the Lord, the rebuke of your God. Therefore, Please hear this, you afflicted, and drunk be not with wine, says the Lord your God, the Lord and your God, who pleads the cause of his people. See, I have taken out of your hand the cup of trembling, the dregs of the cup of my fury. You shall no longer drink it. But I will put into the hand of those who afflict you, who have said to you, lie down that we may walk over you. And you have laid your body like the ground and as a street for those who walk over. Um, the word of God. I'm going to be quite frank with you this morning. And I know I only have a few moments with you all as we um, continue this journey in reading the word. If you have been here with us, you know that we've been journeying through the entire scripture from Genesis and we're going to read all the way to Revelation again. And um, for those of you who have been journeying with us, you know that first we started with the Gospels. We started with Matthew. I hate that they're called the Gospels, by the way. Um, but anyway, they're called the Gospels. And so we go from Matthew all the way to Revelation. And now we're reading from Genesis and we're reading through the book of Isaiah right now. Read through the book of Isaiah, and, um, and we're going to continue to read through what they call this section the, the major prophets. They call this section the major prophets because they're just bigger books. Um, what makes them major is, I guess, the breadth and the size. But of the prophets, you have Isaiah, who 
it's more than just the breadth or the size of his writing, but it was his involvement in and the voice that he had, the prophetic voice that he had for the children of Israel when they found themselves in exile as a result of um, um, their disobedience to God. We read this already, right? We've been reading through all of this. We've read this through reading the story, the history of Israel. Um, when we read through the historicity of the children of Israel, we see it through, um, you know, uh, First Kings, Second Kings, First Chronicles, Second Chronicles. We see it through Ezra. We see it through Nehemiah. And, and somewhere sitting on top of those books, you've got Isaiah, who was an observer, but he was involved as well. He was an observer, but he was involved. Uh, but he was involved. And so while we read the history of what has transpired in, with the children of Israel, Isaiah backs up, backs us up from just seeing what happened to now what is happening behind the scenes. He, he, he pulls us back from what has happened to why it's happening. And the reason why I... Uh, this this particular portion is challenging. It's because, first of all, it's hard to... Isaiah is one of the hardest to do a read and rant on because there's so many, so many layers. But if I can be frank with you, if you'd have just allowed me a few minutes just to be frank with you, what Isaiah is pointing out to the children of Israel, there's so many things that Isaiah is pointing out, but the one big thing that up to this point, as we've been doing the read and rant, we've been ignoring is we've been ignoring the divine spiritual element of what has transpired. We've talked about justice. We've talked about, you know, um, um, God restoring Israel, even if, even though Israel sinned. So we talked about the justice of God being accomplished by the grace of God. We've talked, if I can recall, of course, I've been ranting, so sometimes I don't know what I say and what I don't say, but I recall us speaking about God's heart for those who are disenfranchised, for those who are weak, for those who are poor, for those who are less than, speaks into the heart of God for what God wants for those people. We talked about that. We've talked about um, some of the history that even Isaiah points out to and how Isaiah gets involved and we see Isaiah's side of the story, Isaiah's perspective of the story. And so we talked about that. But the one thing that we haven't talked about yet is the grand picture, the grand scheme of things, the grand narrative, and how Israel plays such a critical piece to the story of God, to the story of what God is doing to the story of what God is accomplishing. Israel is at the center of all of this. And when I say Israel, and this might get me into some trouble, so please forgive me because I don't want to open up a, a, a rabbit hole and I feel like I am opening up a wormhole that takes us to other dimensions of thinking. And I don't want us to do that. But Israel, we're not, when we talk about Israel, we're not just talking about a geo geographical location. When we're talking about Israel, we're talking about a people chosen by God from the seed of Abraham. When we talk about Israel, we're talking about a people, a people who if we can go back, find their roots, 
from a man named Abraham. Abraham begets Isaac. Isaac begets Jacob. Jacob's name is changed to Israel. Israel has many sons, 12 among them becoming 12 tribes. And these 12 tribes, by covenant, become a nation. Israel was Israel before Israel was in Israel. (laughs) We define these people as Israel because they came from the seed of Israel. And through the seed of Israel came the blessing of God. Through the seed of Israel came the promise of God. And the seed of Israel came from the seed of Abraham. Abraham had many nations. How do we know that? Because Abraham had Ishmael. And out of Ishmael came many nations. And so Abraham is the father of the Muslims. (laughs) Um, You know, uh, I always hear that, like, you know, Abraham is our father. He is actually by blood, not by covenant. And so we see now this 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 concept, and I, I, I don't know if I'm afforded the time really to break this down. We see now this concept of unity by covenant because now we have the seed. From the seed comes the promise. And now the promise, which we initially believe would have come from the children of Israel would come from another seed. Why am I bringing all this up? Why does all this matter? It matters because to fully understand salvation, to fully understand justice, to fully understand redemption, to fully understand God making all things new, to fully understand even the state that we're in, to fully understand it, we need to understand the dimensions of God, the character of God, the ontology of God. I feel like I'm going deeper than I want to go, but I'm just going to do this for a moment because I think it's important. As I'm reading through this, I cannot ignore And none of us here can ignore that Isaiah is talking about something way bigger than Israel. I'm just going to try to bring it to the ground for you for a moment. Israel is in captivity. Israel Israel has found themselves under the the captivity of the Babylonians, the Chaldeans, which, of course has irony in it, divine irony, because the same people that they're under oppression is where they came from. Abraham came from a city of Ur, of the Chaldeans, and now they find themselves now under the oppression of the Chaldeans. There's a bigger story here at play. Abraham steps away by faith receiving revelation from God, the promise of God. And the scriptures tell us in Hebrew that it's by faith that he was declared righteous. What does that mean? Because for a lot of us, when we talk about righteousness, we're talking about a ticket to heaven. For a lot of us, when we talk about righteousness, we're simply talking about eternal life. 
When we talk about righteousness, we're talking about, you know, what do I need to do to get through the pearly gates? That's all we talk about when we talk about righteousness, not realizing that righteousness is so much more. Righteousness is not about your ticket to heaven. Righteousness is about God making all things new, bringing restoration, bringing justice, making things right. And so here we are, seeing that God is doing his work of righteousness by the inspiration of God to Abraham. Abraham leaves Ur, leaves the Chaldeans to go to a new land, to go to a new place that was promised to build a nation of people who would operate on a whole different set of rules. These people would not operate on their flesh. These people would not operate on their systems of thought. These people would not operate on what was culturally normal. These people would not operate on what, no, no, no. These people would operate on a new law, a new way of living, a new way of thinking, a new way of seeing. This is so much bigger than Israel so much bigger than Israel, and yet Israel is at the center of it all. You know, it's funny because Western Christianity wants to make what the West the center of it all. European Westernized Christianity wants to make Rome the center of it all. There are other forms of Christianity that want to make themselves the center of it all. And yet what we see here is that Israel is at the center. It's Israel that holds the key. It's through Israel. And yet Israel is not going to receive Israel's breakthrough, Israel's deliverance. Israel's not going to see righteousness and justice separate from that which the world will receive. Israel's righteousness and justice is not for just Israel, it's for the world. And yet God is enacting his righteousness and justice through Israel. Israel fails over and over and over again. I'm going to be frank with you, family. If you read this and you read this only from the surface, You're going to miss all of it, and you're going to miss the salvific work of Christ, what Jesus actually did, what Jesus actually accomplished, because there's a lot of us who, what we think of what Jesus has done is, Jesus has just died on the cross so that I can go to heaven. We talk about right now, up to this point, and it's People, I don't want people thinking, hey, you know, there's no, you know, pastor's going to say there's no heaven, there's anything like, no, that's not, I, I don't want to fall into this, okay? And I don't want to be pigeonholed into anything. But family, up to this point, you've read now from Genesis all the way to Isaiah, you've read a big chunk of the scripture. Where is heaven? I, I don't know. Maybe I see you guys are, are commenting. I can't read all the comments because it's a lot going on there. But I, I want you to think about that for a second. Where have you seen it? 
we're so fixated on heaven and hell, heaven and hell, that we've pigeonholed righteousness as how I get to heaven or getting away from hell. So it's either a ticket out of hell or ticket into heaven, but that's usually how we think of righteousness or that's how we think of justice. But if you've noticed here, we have not seen anything of the sort. And I'm pointing all this out because so many of us need to hear this because we've got to reorient our thinking about what it means to be the children of God, what it means to be partakers, what it means to be heirs of the kingdom of God, what it means to be co-heirs of the inheritance of the kingdom of God. What does that even mean? What does that even look like? How is that lived out? And we're beginning to see a foreshadow of that through Israel. Israel gives us access to seeing what that looks like. If you look at this and you read this, and you read the way that Isaiah is speaking to the children of Israel, I can point out all the texts that we sometimes look at it from a very, very small myopic perspective. But if we look at it on a broader level, for my own sake, for my own sake, I will do it in Isaiah 48. For how should my name be profaned and I will not give my glory to another? God bringing centrality to his glory, that it's about his glory. Then he says to them, listen to me, O Jacob, and Israel my called. I am he, I am the first, I am the last. Indeed, my hand had laid the foundation of the earth and my right hand has stretched out into the heavens. Why is he bringing up the cosmic implication and his, his participation and his inspiration of bringing about nothing to something to bringing about the cosmic reality of the heavens and the earth and the foundations of the earth and everything that is created. And he says, all of you assemble for yourselves and hear who among them declare these things. The Lord loves him and he shall do his pleasure on Babylon. There are dimensions. Do y'all hear this? There are dimensions. And I know this might be, this is, that's why I'm trying to be straight up, but I don't want to come off as crazy <laughs> because some of us have been so churchy that we miss the big picture. We're so churchy. We get hopped up off, hopped off, hopped up on church, sorry, hopped up on, you know, the stuff that we grew up doing. And we miss the whole purpose of all of this and what God is doing. And so we get all excited and we love the songs and the music. I love all of it. I love God. I love Jesus. I love all of it. But some of us, we don't fully even know when we say Jesus, what we're actually talking about. And we miss what the complete work of Christ is. We miss it. So here's what's going to happen now. Is Isaiah now takes us from one dimension to another while he's in multiple dimensions, pointing us now to another dimension of righteousness and justice. This righteousness and justice being now defined where what we see on earth 
meets with what's happening and what we cannot see. That there's a realm that we have ignored that's at work. And there's another realm which we see, which our limitation of thought has made us think that this is the primary realm, not realizing that this realm, this reality is a projection of another reality. That there's a bigger story at play. There are bigger things in the background, bigger things that are happening. There's another dimension. There's other activity happening. When Isaiah is speaking prophetically here, because we see the foreshadow of Christ and we preach that and we talk about that and I'm, I'm all for that, but Isaiah is not speaking in future terms. Isaiah is speaking in present terms. Isaiah is speaking in not what will happen, but what is happening, what has happened. Who was and is and is to come. I am he who was and I am he who will be. Future, past, present, all brought to coincidence. There's another realm here. There's another thing at play here. There's another dimension that's acting and moving. And that dimension is what now is giving the activity that we see in this dimension. We get afraid to talk about this. And I'm going to be frank with you. There is nothing more supernatural than salvation. Nothing more supernatural than even the gift of faith. Salvation, the gift of faith, your faith in Jesus Christ is already supernatural endeavor. It's, it is beyond science and thinking and beyond all of that. And yet we limit salvation to just that not realizing that there's so many layers and so many dimensions. I am inviting you, family, to read Isaiah, not from just your, I was saved and Jesus died on the cross and Isaiah points to Christ, to the cosmic implication of what Jesus did in his time on earth and what Jesus is doing even right now in the live in the lives of the children of Israel. In verse 20, go forth Babylon, flee from the Chaldeans. Notice the tension of Babylon and Chaldeans, where Abraham from Ur came from. And now we have the Chaldeans in Babylon. We see Babylon. What is Babylon? Babylon is more than just an organization. It's more than just a government. It's more than just a nation. Babylon continues to return continues to return. Babylon is not just an entity. Babylon is a principality. Rethink Babylon. Rethink the system behind Babylon. Rethink what governs Babylon. Because Babylon is still moving and acting and, and, and participating and contending and contesting. Babylon is still doing it. I'm sorry. I, I, it's because I don't have the time and I know I have to go in a few minutes, but I just want you to just read this and I want you to read it. And if you can't reread it, go back and reread it again, because here's what's happening now. We see God talking to Israel, but the, the writing will seem, will seem confusing to you. 
if all you're reading is from a surface level of what is happening, not from a spiritual dimension of what is actually transpiring behind the scenes. I always like using the term behind the scenes because it's the part that we do not see. And here's the reality is many believers ignore the unseen as if the unseen isn't powerful or if the unseen doesn't move, not realizing that the unseen manipulates the scene. And the unseen takes precedence over the scene. Whew, it's, it's going to sound a little, it's going it's to be weird here, but didn't the scripture say that what is seen is corrupted, is temporal, but what is unseen is eternal? And we have ignored the unseen, not realizing that the, that the seen and the unseen should not be separated from each other. When we talk about justice, God making everything right. When we talk about righteousness, when we talk about all these things, are we ignoring that there is an enemy that we cannot see who is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour? Do we, do we forget that? Are we ignoring that reality? Are we ignoring the work that Christ is doing when he does this, the work that he does on the cross? Are we ignoring the spiritual dimension and the element of it? Have we ignored that? And now the Lord says, Isaiah 49, verse 5, And now the Lord says, Who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, so that Israel is gathered to him. For I shall be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. Indeed, he says, who is he talking about here? It's too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob. This is not Israel, but this is one, another who has this kind of authority and this kind of power to do this for Israel. He's not speaking in past terms about what this one is and what this one does, but this one has participated in creation. This one has participated in the creation of all things. And now this one is participating in the restoration of the children of Israel. And notice what he says there in verse six, to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be the salvation to the ends of the earth, that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. There's a participation together. There's a coming together. There's a, you will be my salvation. You and I will be one. You and I will participate together. I'm not separating myself from you. I'm extending myself through you. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel, the Holy One to him whom man despises, to him the nation abhors, the servant of ruler, kings shall see and arise, princes shall worship, because the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, he has chosen you. There's anything that I leave with today. There's anything that I leave with today. And like I said, there's so many layers to Isaiah. We're going to start tapping into these layers very, very soon. But if there's anything I want to leave with you today, is it's bigger than you. Your suffering is bigger than you. Your breakthrough is bigger than you. 
Your rejoicing is bigger than you. Your challenges are bigger than you. There's a bigger thing at play. There's a bigger thing at play. I, you know, you'll hear me say this, but I need to, I need to make sure that I unpack and, and decompose and deconstruct whatever you thought about your walk or your faith or whatever it is, because we have, we have such a surface level faith. But when you begin to realize that there is another dimension, there are bigger things at play, bigger implications to this. This is way bigger than us. We're just a part of a much bigger story. God is doing something so much bigger. And if it's bigger than me, then if, if it's bigger than me, then I know that it can't be centered around me. When you begin to realize that God's work and, and what God is doing is bigger than you, you begin to realize this is, this is not about me. I'm not at the center of this. I'm just a player in God's story. I'm just, I'm just a player in what God is doing. And, and I've been given the privilege to participate with that. If it's bigger than me, then now it's not about, well, God, why am I going through this? And, and it's not, it's not about God. I don't think I can accomplish this. This is not by your might. This is not by your spirit. This is not by your power, not by your capacity, not by your ability, but by his spirit. When you know that's bigger than you, man, let me tell you something. There's something so liberating about knowing that the work that God is doing, and we're going to start seeing this because now we're going, we're going to begin to see more resolution as we read through Isaiah. But we're going to see that Israel and all that Israel is going through, Isaiah is saying, you disconnected yourself from God, separated yourself from God. You were far from God. And in doing so, the, you've allowed these things to come in. But understand that these things are governed by a power that's so much smaller Then the power that is behind you, this is bigger than you. And when you know that it's bigger than you, there's a liberation in that knowing that, no, now I cannot do this without the power of God. I cannot do this without the help of God. I cannot do this without him. It's when you realize how much bigger this is than you that you begin to position yourself with. It is not by my might. It is not by my power, but it is by his spirit. When you realize and you know that it's bigger than you, then you go, yeah, he is the vine and I'm just a branch. Apart from him, I can do nothing. As a matter of fact, I do nothing when it's apart from him. When you realize that it's bigger than you, then you go, oh, hold up. This is why I need to pray. This is why I need to commit my time to the Lord. This is why I need to be in intimacy with him. When you realize that you're nothing without him, it doesn't diminish you. It gives you power. 
it, it liberates you. It says, oh, I'm just a child before a holy and gracious God who has declared me to be his child. And now I can move by his power because what God is doing is not giving me a ticket to heaven. What God is doing is he's bringing his presence and his power to earth through me. Jesus did not say, your kingdom go. Jesus said, your kingdom come. Your will be done. He's making all things new. He's not destroying this earth so we can run away from it. He's bringing restoration to the earth, destroying Babylon, the principality, the invisible government that seeks to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Reorient your thinking because salvation is not about you. It's not just about your health. It's not just about your finances. It's not just about any of that. Salvation is about something so much bigger than you, and you've been given the privilege to be a part of it. Thank the Lord for that. Father, I thank you that you are reminding us today, Lord, that there are so many things at play here. Lord, that goes beyond simply what we see with our physical eyes, what we see. But Father, there is so much more at play. Well, we see the salvific work of Christ, but now we see the implications of what Christ has done. And Father, I just pray right now, Lord, that you would open our eyes that we may see. Open our eyes so that we can see what part we play in this. Open our eyes to see our dependence on you. Open our eyes to know, Lord, that you've called us to a higher calling. Lead us, Father, that we may know your truth. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen.